beautiful beings, and welcome to another episode of the Plant Lady Podcast. I am honored to welcome back Jillian, owner of Womb and Earth, to dive into a free-flowing conversation to welcome in this cancer season. I hope that this episode finds you so, so well, and without further ado, let's dive in. Hello, beautiful. It is so awesome to uh, link up again, have you back on the podcast. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. I loved the first conversation. It was so juicy. It was so rich. It was so potent. And I know we're in for a second dose of that. Lots of sacred medicina here today. Oh, yes. And today I'm really excited to dive in. I have never done a podcast just free and open-ended, no notes, no bullet points, no set topics or anything, just really talking about all the things that have been um, on our hearts and on our minds lately. And I almost see it being reflected in like the collective as well. You know, when I see my sisters posting about some things that they're going through, I feel like we're all on very parallel paths. They're different, but they're kind of parallel, you know? Absolutely. There's, there's some like massive medicine of like surrender and trust and going with the flow. And once we can tap into that, it's so, it's so liberating, but there's so much going on in the collective right now and in so many different layers that I'm, I'm seeing the same thing. Like so many sisters, so many people speaking up about these massive experiences that they're having at this time. Yeah, that seems to be a big theme as well of just witnessing um, sisters and brothers really starting to step up to the plate and speak their truth, you know, regardless of who it aligns with or who who it doesn't. I'm noticing a lot of this authentic truth and just real raw expression kind of being called forth. And I feel like that's really, it's scary and it's triggering, but it's so beautiful that we're all able to interweave our journeys through this little social media interweb. Ooh, yes. Whoosh. Um, yeah, I feel you so much in that space. It's It's been a lot this year and I feel like so many layers have been peeled off just layer after layer every time I think I'm done with like the darkness, the, you know, the massive transformation and rites of passage, like another door opens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It is. It's so, it's such a cosmic joke at times. I just find myself laughing because um, I find myself writing and journaling a lot. And um, sometimes I'll make, I'll make posts on social media, you know, going, sharing my truth or just sharing some like recent revelations. And um, it always seems like the things that I talk about, like a week after I post them, I'll really see that lesson or that thing that I was talking about, like come full force right at me like all right well are you ready to practice what you've been preaching (laughs) and it is so funny to me like I literally will get the same lessons of what I was just preaching on my Instagram and I'm like hmm all right let me sit with this (laughs) go back read my post Absolutely. You know, when we start to put that out there like this the second that we decide to speak on something or like we're acknowledging something that is an old pattern or an old story or like 
something that wants to be heard, like the universe, it's like, it's like you open up that door and the universe is like, all right, here's some initiations around that. Here's some truth. Here's some transformation. Here's what needs to die. And it's just like the whole like floodgates come through and we're required to really sit with that and really learn what does it mean to be embodied in this truth that I'm weaving right now in the world. Mm, Yes, yes. I would love for you to just share and we can both kind of just take turns storytelling and sharing any recent um, just reflections or any experiences that you've had of speaking, you know, your truth recently on, on your page and um, just in general, it doesn't even have to be um, on social media because I'm finding that balance as well (laughs) these days. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, there's so much that's come forth in the last like six months. And, um, you know, we were chatting earlier about this resonance around, around pride because we're in the month of, of pride celebrations. And even though it's every single day, all the time, 24 seven, I had shared this truth that has been really coming forth for the last, the last couple of years of being, um, being queer in a heteronormative relationship with a man and really exploring what that looks like for me. And, and it kind of came to a, a head. I actually woke up this morning after listening to a really juicy podcast about manifesting and pleasure and like weaving the two together to like call in, you know, these beautiful things that we wish to share with the collective. And mm-hmm. I woke up this morning and was just kind of drifting in those practices and all of a sudden this like massive download came through which was wanting to be heard around there is no one speaking about being queer or fluid or whatever you resonate with in those terms and being in a quote-unquote heteronormative relationship and I don't I don't personally like that word I wish I had a different word for it but um, that's the word I'm going to use and I just felt really called to speak on that this morning, because it's been such a real truth for me. And spirit was like, you know, there has to be an offering around this, you have to find some way to weave this into the community, because this is a thing. And as soon as I shared it, I started getting all of these frequencies of resonance from the community. And I realized like, whoa, this is a massive thing. And a part of it that has been such a big wounding for me around around being queer is that I don't feel that I have a place in the community Um, as far as like, it feels strange to even say that I am, that I am queer, but also be married to a man with children. But yet at the same time, um, this is a massive part of my being. Like, This is a huge, huge frequency that I live in, which is this fluidity um, of sexuality and desire. And I've been learning how it's such an ebb and flow of energy and how I really need to find ways to weave. I don't even know how to put the terms, but like I'm learning how to come into that fullness in intimacy with my male partner and how I really have to create multi dimensions of intimacy for myself and to, to really swim in these beautiful frequencies of my queerness. And so this has really, really come forth 
really come forth in the last week or so that's like it, it wants to be talked about, it wants to be heard. And I know that I'm not the only one who is in this kind of situation where I personally really resonate with, with you know, my queer identity. I feel very much like my partner, my soulmate that I've met is like the exception to the rule for me personally. And I know quite a lot of other female body people in that place. Um, a lot of other sisters that are like, whoa, yeah, I understand that. Like that's how I feel about my partner. And But there's so much there's no, there's no support. There's no navigation for like, okay, how, how do I like exist in this realm? What does that look like? You know, what does that look like in a long-term partnership? What does that look like when there's children involved? You know, how do I allow for my own expression when I've created a family and, and, you know, acknowledging that like, that doesn't change the fundamentals of who I am and what I love and, and my desire and my, my frequency in the world. Like, but what I felt up until this point is there's no space for me mm-hmm. in the LGBTQ community. Where do I fit in? And I feel I've just felt as if, you know, I'm going to be brushed off because, well, you chose to get married to a man and have children. So it just feels like that kind of energy of like, well, you don't really count. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's just left me in this space. And I needed to speak that into the world. That's what's alive for me in this moment right now on this earth, in this human body. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for sharing. I feel so, so much resonance with that. And I do feel there is such a, um, an emphasis in our society on, you know, the traditional way, man and woman, you make a family, you buy a house, you like do all of these steps and, you know, where we are supposed to be. And in my personal journey, I feel I felt that pressure, you know, early on. And it goes with both, both genders of, you know, the pressure of, you know, um, you know, if you're a male having to have a female partner, you're gay and like all of these like parental pressures that are kind of put on us at an early age. And um, in my journey, I feel that part of me, like you were talking about the queer part of me, the bisexual part of me was suppressed in a way until, you know, we're having conversations like this. And until I'm in a partnership now where I feel really safe and really open and really comfortable, um, having this space to talk. And it was in a podcast I was listening to by Aubrey Marcus, where it said, he said um, that shame can be healed when a safe space is held. And I really feel through my partnership and through his reflection and through his love, I've really been able to begin to speak this truth and start to hold space for a little bit of the emotions around me being bisexual and now in a partnership, like you had mentioned. And I feel like it's been made to be stereotyped in that way that a bisexual woman is, oh, like sexy and hot, and this is like a fetish. But if it was a bisexual man, well, that's not as okay. And that has a little bit more uh, pressure and like stereotype around it. And oh, that's weird. And we like shy away from having that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, there's, there is a massive like fetish around the unicorn woman, right? Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. unicorn is the the single bisexual female. Um, and I can't stand that. And I even, <laughs> I even started like really refusing to, 
to relate to myself with that term bisexual because I just felt this negative energy around it. And for me, just the term queer and fluid has felt so liberating, Mm. so freeing, such a beautiful, open-ended, non-linear, multifaceted container for my energy to flow within and without. And you know, we're we can't put ourselves in boxes. And I, I believe that we're really moving into a new paradigm of being on so many different layers of relationships, of frequencies that we're, we're living in, of how we're just choosing to do everything and being able to come into this radical self-acceptance of, I don't have to fit in a box. I don't have to choose a label. I can just be. I don't have to have a word for every single thing. Um, that for me has been really, really liberate, liberating of just like letting go of this, you know, idea of like, well, what does that mean? And what does that look like? And how do I share that to the world? You know, because I feel that there is a really big element in that way where we feel this pressure of like to, you know, to give it a name. Um, and I feel in the past, I felt a lot of pressure from society to like have a vision and like, you know, these really um, Mm -hmm. unwell masculine concepts of like too much structure, too much like clarification. And we're really rising in the feminine energy, which allows for sensuality, allows for fluidness, allows for open-ended, like, let's go with the flow and just see what this is and and then maybe once we get there it's going to change again so i've been stepping into that sort of radical way of connecting to my feminine energy and being able to just fully accept like i don't have to know everything and i don't have to have a word for everything and it doesn't nothing has to look a certain way it only has to work for me and my family and like nothing else matters <laughs> mm-hmm. yes yes sister i love that and i love that term fluid just being fluid because we are beings of love like we have this unlimited capacity to just love and be that is like our true state of being so to think that we have been so funneled into this one way of being that's might work for some people that might be in alignment with them and and their truth but I think for people you know humans like us when we are faced with these things it feels um, unsettling it feels like like you said there is no place for it feels like there's no place for us because this path hasn't necessarily been walked before it's only been this way or this way or how we've seen it you know be done before us with our parents and their parents and the generations before and um you know but even if even when we really track back all the way back to our ancestors um there was always this concept of free love and i can't exactly remember it might have been another aubrey marcus podcast i seem to be listening to his podcast quite a bit lately but um it was talking about you know our ancestors and in this one specific tribe I can't exactly remember their name or heritage but um it went along the lines of the whole tribe would together raise the children and when a child would cry one of the men would any of them would come over and help because they're all their children you know and they're all making love and you know loving one another and obviously in our society 
society today that would be frowned upon if we were all, you know, crossing, making babies with everyone and everybody was taking care of each other's babies. But I mean, when you think about it in like a community in a conscious community where we all are, you know, these brothers and sisters, and these are our children. And why do we have to come with this like selfish desire of like, well, my child does this and like, I have to make sure my child's successful and becomes this and this and this. And rather than um, being open and, and having, you know, this space for, for that community. And I feel with our ancestors, they were so embraced in this conscious, loving community. It is a very interesting concept, um, how it has transitioned into what it is today. And now a lot of times for a lot of us, the story is that, you know, our family members live in all different parts of the states or in different countries or in different places. And it didn't used to be that way. Mm, yeah. Oh my goodness. And I mean, it takes a village to raise humans in general. And I say mm -hmm. humans, not just babies, because it takes a village to raise all people. We, we need each other. We need mm -hmm. each other. And I'm so curious. I might have to research this later, but I'm so curious, like, where did the ideas of monogamy and like this possessive nature that we have mm -hmm. come from? Mm -hmm. And to me, I see a society that is has a massive wounding of unbelonging to the earth and of really not being free like forgetting how to be free mm -hmm. forgetting how to expand in the capacity that we have to love and something that i've learned on my journey that has been deeply medicinal for me um you know was when i first had my feminine awakening this was back in 2016, I believe, um, I was just like just on the verge of coming into that full, you know, wild power and just realizing it. So like, I, I do call it my, my moment of awakening, but I was at a playground with my son and I hadn't had my second son at the time. And there was this mom there and I'm, I don't know if she's going to listen to this conversation because <laughs> we're still friends to this day, but, um, I just remember meeting her at the playground and just not really like having always known that I was queer since I was about 15 or 16. Um, I kind of had shoved, shoved those frequencies and feelings on the back burner because I just never really had a chance to fully come into them and explore them. And we ended up connecting and um, kind of fell away for a little bit. But then when we reconnected, she came over for um, a sleepover, like just, just to hang. And we stayed up all night talking and something happened in that moment where we connected in this frequency, this, this soul frequency that I had never experienced with anyone else other than when I met my, my husband, you know? Mm -hmm. And in that moment, all of the possibilities of like what life was and what could be and who I was like massively expanded, you know, it was like, I opened this door to like quantum levels of being. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, at the end of the, you know, when she went home the next day, she texted me and had just said, you know, like, I just feel this like intensity towards you. Like I feel so attracted to you. And I found myself like typing back out, like, Oh my God, I feel the same way. Like, this is so strange. And this was so new for me to, to 
realize that I have the, wait a minute, like I have the capacity to feel this way for more than one person. Like I was mind blown, Bella, like Mm -hmm. sitting there, like, what is happening? Wait a minute. What is happening? Like my whole body was just like coming online in a different way. And I'm sitting there like totally mind blown. Like my partner came home and we talked about it and I was like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening to me. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, it just really unfolded into this beautiful exploration of, of my, uh, my queerness and realizing like, whoa, this is a thing. But we actually ended up entering a, um, a polyamorous type situation. And there was a lot of figuring out of boundaries and like, what does this mean? What does this look like in relationship with my husband? Can I actually even do this? Do I have the capacity to do this? And everything was like fumbling in the dark, but in this beautiful becoming way, of realizing the deeper I connected with her, the more that we came into relationship, the more I got to really, you know, unfold. And she, she held this just beautiful space for me to explore, even though I don't think she knew it at the time, but she held this beautiful space for me to really come into this part of myself that I didn't even really know was if it was true or not, you know, cause I'd never explored it. And, um, I started to feel my heart expand. And there was this moment when, you know, I fell in love with her and I was sitting there and I was like noticing like, but this doesn't change the frequency of love that I feel for my husband. So like, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. I am in love with two people. Mm -hmm. This changes everything I ever thought was possible. And in that moment, I realized like, oh my goodness, we are capable of so much more than we even know. Mm-hmm. We are like, we are capable of amazing, infinite frequencies of love. And I've actually watched this unfold around me with friends in my life, going through this experience of meeting a soul star, I mean, a soul person, I mean, sorry, soul star works too. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> meeting like a twin flame type energy. And I believe that we have more than one soulmate. Um, personally, I'm like, there's so many humans on this earth. There's no way we just have one person. Um, but I've seen other people go through this where they're like, wait a minute, what does this mean? I can actually love more than one person. I can feel this intensity of in loveness and passion for more than one person. And then they like look around and we're like, wait, who told me I couldn't do this? Where did this come from? This idea that like, we're so confined, like we get shoved in a box. And once we get to peek outside the box, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It is so beautiful. And like you said, this love that you have gained for this person didn't change or shift your viewpoint or perspective or your, the love that you had and shared for your partnership. So this like heart expanding moment of, like you said, just being able to realize that we really do have this capacity to to love. And I feel that possessiveness that comes in when we only um, love one person or when we're in this partnership and it's like, you know, this, like you're mine. And I found myself early on in my relationship being like, this is my boyfriend. This is my person, my partner. And I kept putting this my in front of who he was. And, you know, I'm, I just found myself this little realization of found myself introducing him to people as my boyfriend, you know, cool. 
And I'm just like, hmm. But when I say my, you know, my is something that we put on a, my toy, you know, when you're a kid, my bed, my room, my this, my parents, you know, and we put this my in front of everything to have something to call yours. We learn as, as children that, okay, well, this is something that I own. So to put that on a person feels so limiting. It feels almost could be suffocating for, for that person. And, and to be the one receiving that as well, to be introduced as, oh, this is my girlfriend. You know, well, I'm more than a girlfriend. You're more than a mother. You're more than just a partner. You're, you know, this multifaceted being, uh, this woman. And, and we deserve more than just that, that short label. So I started to just call him, you know, a partner. And I'm in this beautiful partnership. But even then, I think when it comes into sharing this love and starting to um, explore this this part of you that may have been suppressed and as I'm saying this there's like a whole school of dolphins right out front of the van window and there's just <gasps> like I'm talking like 20 of them and they're all the fins are just coming up right here in my viewpoint as I'm saying this I just <sighs> share that <laughs> if dolphins <gasps> means anything to anyone listening they are just coming in wildly so I feel really <laughs> I feel that was a sign that this conversation needed to be had but um there's so many things that come into play when we are exploring this and in my personal journey I think what I'm experiencing is um when inviting in this part of me that I have you know kind of suppressed and has been shamed and felt like it couldn't be expressed in all of the ways that you know it could have been before I committed to this person this partner um, a lot of things you know all these emotions start to arise that are very common in our society of the jealousy and of the envy and our society has a really big trigger and trauma around cheating and I think that there has to be a really a line drawn between what is manipulating when cheating versus what is opening your mind to this idea of, of love. And it really does have to be a conversation that is spoke about, you know, because when it's hidden and it's private and it's like this secretive thing and we keep it, you know, hidden behind those curtains, behind the shame, behind the suppression of, oh, this can't be seen or expressed or I can't share this, this truth with anyone. I think that's when the stickiness of all of those feelings of betrayal and um, being misunderstood and, and not being able to be trusted come into play. And so I think that that may be um, a pinpoint of why in my personal journey, it is hard for me to, to make this step because in my eyes, I'm like, well, I would never, I have to get over this idea of me thinking that my partner is my property and that seeing him maybe make love to or share love with someone else how does that make me feel and you know those deep societal emotions and all this conditioning does start to come up and you know it does start to get a little bit tricky navigating those things um so i'm curious if you navigated any of those emotions i would love for you to share if you did yeah. Oh my goodness. I've actually been really sitting with that lately because I've felt really called in my partnership to, uh, you know, I've always been very open with him actually, before, right when we started dating, I told him up front, um, you know, that this was a massive part of myself that I was going to want to explore and that I needed to know right then 
if that was something he was okay with because I didn't want to continue in the partnership if it wasn't something that I knew I would have the freedom to explore. And I've come really strongly into this truth of like, you know, when I look back on my life, when I am a wise elder with purple streaks in my hair and magical earrings and like a witch cottage somewhere, (laughs) I want to look back on my life and really know that I lived it fully and that I honored my truth in all aspects. I want to be able to face this portal of death when it comes that time and walk to it as an old friend and say, you know, I was true to myself and I lived for me and I chose myself even when it was hard because that was something I needed to heal within my ancestry. I needed to keep choosing myself. And so this, that energy has really, really come up of exploring, um, you know, that this part of myself is really asking to be liberated again and to be seen. And I definitely had quite a few years there when, um, when we were first dating that I felt a lot of that jealousy and a lot of that, a lot of those kind of stickier, like you said, that's a perfect word, stickier emotions. And what I've noticed is over the course of my journey of really coming into myself, something has just fallen away. The more that I've like stepped into, you know, choosing myself and choosing that choosing myself doesn't have to be a selfish thing um, and, and is a positive thing and that I can do that in really healthy ways. The more I've let go of this need to hold on to everything, because it's almost like in liberating myself, I'm coming to know myself deeper. I'm coming to love myself deeper and I am refusing to show up in anything other than authentic. And the more that I've chosen myself and the more that I've really been healing these wounds, the more that I've been able to let go of this tight grip that is really fear, fear of abandonment, you know, fear of hurt because I've been hurt in the past. I've been one of those people that's been cheated on. It broke my heart. It was my first love, you know, and it left a massive, massive imprint on me as it does with all people. And what I've really come to is that We have to choose ourselves and we can't make anybody do anything. We can't make anybody change. We can't make them rise to meet us. And I've come to this really grounded, and this is literally just through like life experience and unpeeling layers that I have come to this grounded place of everything is happening for me. And it's okay if things that I once thought were mine forever are meant to fall away. Mm-hmm. And I've had to really come to that place. And it hasn't been anything specifically that I've done. It's just been coming deeper into connection with myself and coming to trust myself and trust my ancestors and my spirit guides and trust that what is happening and where I am, where I am walking to in this life's path is, is for me and that it's okay. It's okay if things change, you know, it's okay if my partnership doesn't last forever, it doesn't mean that everything has to fall apart. So again, just kind of coming back to this, how can we weave a new paradigm around the way that we're doing things? Something that's been really big in looking at my relationship and 
how it can be is letting go of this idea that it has to be black or white, that it has to be in a, in this box and the name on it, you know, part of that has looked like I've had to really express to my partner that I need to, I need physical space, like that I might be interested and that it might feel really good to me to have my own space on our land that is just mine because I've never had that. I've never really been by myself and there's a longing to show up for myself through just being alone with myself. And I had to come to this place of like releasing this expectation of like, okay, well, does that mean we're breaking up? No, that's, mm-hmm. that's how we look at things in society. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to mean that. And a, a dear, dear friend of mine said to me, it doesn't have to be this or that. It doesn't have to be black or white. It can literally be whatever you need it to be as long as it works for you. And so just, I guess I'm coming full circle that being able to, I have experienced those feelings. I still experience them. You know, when I think about how would I feel if my partner went and wanted to be with somebody else right now, I feel, I definitely like feel a pang of jealousy, but I also feel like, well, how would I want him to receive me asking for that? What if I wanted that freedom? What if I wanted to know myself deeper? And honestly, that would make me love him even more because I am giving, being given this opportunity to expand. I am being trusted with his heart. And I take that very seriously. I hold that very, very sacred. And I think that really what it comes down to is deepening a connection to self, feeling into those feelings of fear or jealousy, like what's behind them. Mm. And usually what's behind them is a wound that we need to heal you know, maybe it's abandonment. Well, we need to look at, well, how can I, how can I really show up for myself and heal that wound? You know, how can I trace that back and heal that within my family line? And how can I ask for support in my relationship? But we also, like you said, we don't own our partners. We have no right to that. There are other human beings. I don't want to be, I don't ever want to do something that makes my partner feel like he belongs to me. Mm -hmm. And something that I've spoken to him recently that's been medicinal for me to say to myself is, it's okay if your path looks different from mine. It's okay if we are not fully in alignment with each other. We are always going to be a family. We're always going to be best friends. I'm always going to love you. Like I'm not going anywhere. And we have to follow these really beautiful paths, you know, to be in a long-term relationship with someone is to really be there and witness all of their deaths and all of their rebirths and to navigate the murky waters and, and do the work and show up even deeper, but for ourselves first, because we have to show up for ourselves before we can show up for others. Mm -hmm. Yes. And a lot of relationships today, I feel the, because of the, those past wounds that are still navigating, telling those stories and navigating our, our lives, we are subconsciously attracting more partners that are not in alignment with our truth and continue to do those same things and um, I witness a lot of my sisters you know perpetuating this storyline of you know men are are cheaters and and this and that and really um, sitting with rewriting that story and where those where those situations come from and like you spoke about with um, with your past and just all of those feelings that arise asking yourself that why why 
are they coming up? And this is just a story that I've been telling myself for all this time because of this, you know, that first love or this experience that, that I have this trauma that I'm still maybe holding some pain around and I'm still maybe fearful that this could happen again and being hurt in that way. And when we experience pain, obviously it's uncomfortable, especially when it's a heart pain, you know, especially when it's like betrayal or not being able to trust someone that you thought that you could trust, really holding space for all of those things that, that arise in those, in those moments of, okay, how would I feel? Like you said, like if I am exploring this and I want my partner to hold space for me through this, then I have to be willing to have that balance of holding space for him if he was, you know, if the situation was reflected. So always a very beautiful interweaving and constant reflection and constant lessons and holding space when in these partnerships. And um, as Cole and I met really when I was 17, so we've been together for a while now, it is really beautiful to hear you share on this topic because obviously one day I do want to have a family with him and I do see myself in these ways exploring you know living out life to the fullest in that regard but it is so important I've found in speaking my truth and really holding space for this part of me and no longer suppressing this because of the stories that I've been told or that I've told myself and held on to and continued to tell myself that I'm not allowed to explore myself in this way because that's not what building a family looks like or that's not what you know would make my parents proud and um, something that really came up for me when you were saying that is the ancestral wisdom of really understanding that maybe sometimes those feelings that arise maybe they aren't even your own you know all these emotions and these traumas that come up and like you can't even pinpoint them you know that might be coming from your mother or her mother before her, you know, and, and um, in my experience, I have seen my mother endure toxic relationships. And I watched myself early on, repeat those same, those same mistakes, almost in a sense, those same, a reflection of her journey into mine. So really differentiating what, what thoughts are yours, and maybe what thoughts are your parents, or what came from, you know, your parents relationship, um, because our parents are just children at the end of the day. And through the eyes of the child, we see them as these, as our teachers, we think that they have to be perfect and they have to be this or that. And when they're not perfect, then it seems like everything kind of crumbles apart and we end up later on in life kind of repeating those, those same mistakes or maybe not, maybe learning from them. But um, it is really interesting to reflect on that, on those emotions that arise and say, hey, maybe, maybe this is my time to help myself heal this and through this healing I'm able to now have you know these conversations with my mother and ask her hey is this relationship that you're in really benefiting your heart and in your space are you finding healing through this space and that's a really hard conversation for um, you to have with a parent because they you know they hold this standard of and maybe you can relate to this of being a mom having to be like like you think moms aren't allowed to be like sexual beings. Like why? Who made up this story that moms aren't allowed to have sex or enjoy like their sensuality? It's such an odd concept. And maybe it kind of has a bit to do with, you know, the porn industry, going back to that, the way that they've sexualized bisexual, being bisexual, the way they've sexualized moms, being MILFs or, you know, like whatever, all of this, the storylines that come into play. But 
it is very interesting the conditioning that I think we hold around these these labels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, just just to speak on like what you shared about the mother energy around this is like for me, what's been really present is reflecting on my my own childhood and and seeing how even to this day, you know, my mom really has not lived a life for herself mm -hmm. and feeling really heartbroken about that for her and not really knowing how to show up in that way to like support her to really connect with herself and then feeling into my own mothering, which has been really radically healing and really ecstatic in the sense of like, I want my kids to witness me rising in my truth. I want them to see that I have passions. I want them to see that like, I'm not mom all the time. I'm a person with a lot of essence to me and that I run this small business and I, I can't always be available. And that through showing up really truthfully in myself serves them better and is a better model than stuffing things down and trying to pretend like I'm happy when I'm not um, because we're such a reflection for how our children are going to move into the world. You know, I always say like, we're not raising kids, we're raising adults. We're raising adults who are going to be in the world and who are going to be in a relationship and who are going to need these fundamental tools of like being able to recognize when something's not working, being able to really listen to their authentic truth and understand that tuition is a powerful tool, um, intuition, I meant to say, and that I think it's really good for children to be exposed to these. These are healthy things to me, you know, to be able to say like, I look, you know, looking back on it, like to be able to say that, like, I was really authentic in my truth. And I stood in that. And I've always really tried to align with that. Like that echoes into our, into our children, even if they're not, I'm not saying that they should be exposed to everything by any means. I've kept a lot of things, of course, private that just, you know, aren't appropriate, but at the same time, they've witnessed me really rise in a really beautiful way that I never got to witness, um, in my own family. And, I think that that's really, really important that we that re, we really rewrite those stories, especially around motherhood, and that being a mother is not just like being this pure being. It's it's being a a person that has so much fullness and that makes mistakes. And you know, I make mistakes all the time. And I think the important thing is that we really take responsibility and model those healthy ways of navigating the world to our children. You know, I'm the first one to get down on their level and say, I apologize for raising my voice at you. I apologize for this thing that I said, you know, I'm just a human being and I'm having a really bad day. And I think you are too. And maybe we can just be with that together. And I just find it really important to really show up in that way in all aspects um, because we are really shaping future generations, you know? Yeah, I see that reflected so much in in my personal journey with my mother. And like you said, seeing her live a life that was never really for her and her putting this 
this high expectation on herself, I think, of being perfect and never making these mistakes and, and never, you know, yeah, even when she did raise her voice, never apologizing or taking accountability for that. Not that, you know, in nothing against her, but just not being able to know how to um, show up in an authentic way because of what, you know, she was presented with, with her mother and then her their, their mother and so on and just this label of being a mother you have to be perfect and you have to be this adult and this perfect um example for for your kids and then when you make a mistake you end up feeling like shit and feeling so down on yourself and I witnessed my mom go through these cycles of feeling you know like am I good and then now seeking validation within us as her children being like am I a good mother like do you do you think I'm, I'm a good mom do you like me do you you know always feeling like she is looking for our validation even as adults of if she was a good mother or not and that hurts my heart a lot you know just being like mom you're human like it's okay you made mistakes like we all make mistakes and now I'm an adult I'm like you were so strong and you did so much like I can't even imagine trying to keep that all together and everything that you did and raising like seems like a lot <laughs> I can't even imagine having a kid and and going through this healing that I'm experiencing now but with children I mean I bow down to all the the mothers out there that that are still doing that work and doing the healing with the reflection of your child and I actually remember one of your posts Jillian that um, you had mentioned what do you do like when your child triggers you and that is such a important I think that is a <laughs> potent topic and it kind of made me giggle because I was like wow I feel like that would be me if I had a child right now I feel like I'd just be triggered all the time <laughs> yeah it's a lot children are mirrors children are mirrors for all the wounds within ourselves that we need to work on and I always say like, do as, do as much healing work as you want, but like, regardless, your kids are still going to trigger you. You're still going to have things to work on. And, you know, just on the, on the drive in my car today, like I just about lost my, my cool. I had to turn around and like get out of the car and like, just, I, they were triggering me so, so bad. So like, it's this beautiful <laughs> infinite journey, you know, of course, and they are such medicine and it's also really hard to heal all of these wounds while raising children and like being able to show up in my fullness, in my energy, um, and also be a really calm presence for them when they need it because they're little nervous systems, you know, until we're 10, about 10 years old, like our nervous systems are still learning to regulate based off of our parents' nervous systems. And I don't know if you follow Luis Mojica's work, but he's a really massive teacher in my life around um, somatic healing and the nervous system. And just listening to him speak on like how our children like need to temper tantrum and need us to be like a calm presence if we can, <laughs> because their nervous systems are learning how to be in the world based off of our nervous systems. So when we're triggered, oftentimes like our nervous systems are not regulated. And then we're raising children whose nervous systems are co-regulating to our unregulated nervous systems. So we keep perpetuating this pattern within families, within generations. And that's where a lot of intergenerational trauma is coming from is this unhealed trauma wound that is just being perpetuated, you know, over and over in these cycles until 
you have the people in the lines who are supported by spirit to really turn around and be like, we're going to heal this right now. We're going to work on this. And then that creates the most beautiful and massive ripples into the past, into the ancestors, you know, into all of our lineages and the collective, as well as rippling through into the future and through future generations that we may birth into the world. And so doing this healing work is so vital because we can affect our ancestors and our future generations and our ancestors can affect us. Um, and it's, it's really hard to step into this space of like, okay, I'm really going to work on my stuff. And like we were sharing in the beginning of this conversation, you know, the second you put out those frequencies of like, I really need to start working on this thing. The universe is like, bam, here's, <laughs> here it comes, girl. Everything for you right now, queen. Yes, you know, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know if I asked for that. And the spirit's like, yes, you did. You said mm -hmm. it yesterday. Like you were setting intentions while you were drinking coffee and you didn't know I was listening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes, yes. Wow, what a potent conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really do see the reflection um, of the way that even now, just rewriting these stories of the way that um, I had seen my mother, maybe my parents handle situations where, you know, the conversation got heated or arguments or, you know, when something really, when shit like really hit the fan how we, how they dealt with, you know, those situations, how they, you know, my mom was one to either spitfire or just walk away and not talk about it until she's ready to come back and talk about it. And so now when um, circling back to, you know, the partnership, now you're in this partnership with another person and you're really seeing, you get to firsthandedly see these cycles come out play by play. And you're just like, wow, like it really has been, especially when, you know, experiencing this life with my partner in a van, we're in a very close space and, and timbers can be a little bit short fuse sometimes. Um, really seeing the way that I um, communicate when those conversations do get a little bit heated, or maybe when they're not heated, and I find myself spit firing or choosing to um i really like to walk away from those arguments have my space and then come back and talk about it like when i'm more calmed down but now through my partnership with with cole he's teaching me you know well i want to have a conversation about it like we need to and sometimes there is those times to have space but there is um he is teaching me through through his reflection and through him holding space in those moments of like being heated or flustered or overwhelmed and just like quick to react or respond um, he is holding a lot of space for me to learn to consciously communicate and just take a deep breath before blowing it up and making it become like this whole played out thing where it's really just our pain bodies firing at each other. And we're just saying all of these things that we don't mean and things that we're going to regret later and then walking away and coming back and being like, okay, I'm sorry. Because when we give ourselves that space to communicate and, and to listen to our body and what you know, really is our truth versus what our ego like is playing on the movie screen of like all the things that the stories and the baggage and the past traumas just projecting. Because in that moment, you can't when you're in that heated moment that none of that is coming from truth that is all coming from this 
from the emotion that is arising. And a lot of our emotion comes from these stories or our traumas or our past. And it's not what's here right now. It's not what's in the present. So it's really beautiful to, to witness those, those cycles come out to play and be like, wow, this, this, I really did adapt a lot of, you know, things that I told myself at an early age, I didn't want to adapt about, you know, my parents, when they would get in these heated arguments, I didn't want to have that space. And now I'm almost perpetuating and projecting that same thing that I don't want so badly. We start to subconsciously manifest through, through these reflections that can be triggering sometimes. So it's always this constant dance and this ebb and flow and the yin and yang, just the duality of life. And it, it is really beautiful to witness. I've been finding myself just laughing a lot <laughs> at it all because that's all I really can do. <laughs> you have to keep that sense of humor or you literally will go mad, you know, like you, you will go absolutely <laughs> nuts. And um, yeah, something that comes up just around your share, which I really appreciate hearing the reflections around the difficulties in those moments of tension in relationships and how those really aren't the moments when we can actually consciously work on things because just like you said, the trauma is so upfront, the emotion in the body is so upfront. And something that I've been doing is looking at, you know, the before and the after. Um, and what was really present before and, you know, how was I feeling in my body prior and could I have worked with that by choosing not to engage with my partner and instead choosing to like go and do some medicine work or like go and do some, some physical movement or like breath work or whatever it is. And then afterwards, how can I really give myself regulation? Um, how can I help my nervous system calm down for this and, and suggest the same for my partner? And a lot of the times I think what comes up with these, especially when they're like reoccurring patterns or energies in our relationships is like, if we don't have context for kind of that energy and emotion behind it, it's a, it's pretty reasonable to assume that like that's a reoccurring ancestral energy that is working its way through all of the lines. So like, I hear you saying that in your childhood, you like witnessed your, your parents having these kind of big energy confrontations and that you thought you wouldn't, you wouldn't go through that. And now you are. And when I think about that and receive that from, from this side, it's like, that's probably a spiral throughout your, your lineages that has been passed on and passed on and passed on. And so like, we think about it, like, the ancestral braid is how I like to describe it. Like our ancestry is this beautifully woven braid of, you know, golden threads. And throughout time, when woundings occur, that, that braid becomes unfrayed. And sometimes it's unfrayed with wounding for a really long period of time before it weaves back in and there's some wellness, but we have these moments of fraying in our ancestry where these big woundings that often show up in our lives when we're dealing with, you know, rites of passage or partnership confrontations or like feeling this need to speak your truth and not being able to communicate it in the right way. Cause like there's this stuck energy anytime where we feel this like energy that's so deeply bound in the body and explodes out you know when that that flood water the dam just drops and the flood waters come through and that and then it builds back up again once it releases like those are all frequencies and and woundings that are passed down that we just keep cycling through so in those moments we have this beautiful opportunity to reflect back to take responsibility of course for our actions but also to reflect upon like 
what is this energy? And I keep cycling through the same patterns where I build up, build up, build up. And then there's a release of tension when we get into this big argument or whatever it is. And then I do it again and again. And that's because these are these frayings in our ancestral braid that are going throughout each generation. The wounding just ripples and ripples. And we're really being asked to look at that and be the ones in our lineage to heal so that we can rise, we can show up more for ourselves, we can show up more consciously, more ecstatically in motherhood, in partnership, in life, in our work in the world, and really align with our truth. And when we do that, that's when we start to see those frequencies change around how we relate to you know, those, those sticky feelings you were talking about, like that's when it all comes full circle. When we start to see the beauty and the positive effects of doing the work is like when we begin to be able to release those tethers. And I think of them like these sticky energy tethers. I just love that word sticky today. It's the perfect thing you shared. Um, (laughs) But like these sticky energy tethers of like, I don't want to lose this person. So my, you know, my root fear though is abandonment. Like I don't want to be left because maybe I don't have any context for being left in my personal life, but maybe like two generations back, like my grandmother was like abandoned by her mother. You know what I mean? Like we, mm-hmm. we have to follow these threads and see where's the fraying in the braid and how can we really tend to that in those moments so that we can complete those cyclical patterns of energy that are really causing more harm than they're doing any good you know? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I read something pretty recently about um, just in the, the spiritual community, how the word, um, how the words I'm triggered are very, they're used a lot now, you know, people are really starting to step up to doing this work and it is really beautiful, but being very careful and being very mindful about the way that you are using this context of, okay, when these situations arise, arise, simply saying, I'm triggered and just bypassing it and just being like, oh, okay, it's just a trigger. Like, let's just move on. Or, oh, it's just my anxiety or it's just my, my this or my that. And we kind of, I've noticed this, this, I found myself in, in the cycles of just bypassing. Oh, that's just a trigger of mine. So like, let's stay far away from that. And um, that came up for me when you were talking about just this really sitting with that. And like you said, if there's no context behind that trigger or that, that emotion that did arise from that situation, well, that is so beautiful because what a beautiful opportunity now that you have been gifted and given to be able to sit with this and really heal and and breathe through it and kind of have that light bulb go off of like oh wait this actually this this isn't mine and I think just simply in that awareness holds a lot of healing of just sitting with oh wow like I'm I'm becoming aware of this thought this this cycle that I've seen before that I know is a part of my past or maybe not a part of my past and and with that awareness I can choose you know, what path I, or how I move forward in the future, how I handle this situation next time. And, and next time this, this conversation feels like a little bit heated or there's tension, I'm going to take a deep breath and sit with it before, you know, before I respond, or maybe be more mindful about the way that I'm communicating in the tone that I'm communicating in. And um, yeah, that came up for me a lot is not bypassing it with this just this simple phrase of, oh, I'm triggered, you know, like, let's move on. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I do. I love that you brought that up because it, it really opens up something that's really powerful, which I think it's instead of just saying like, I'm triggered, like it's, you know, acknowledge like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling triggered right now, but what is it? What am I feeling? And coming back into the body, because what we end up doing is we spend too much time up top in the head, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I say this so often, but we're really a society that's kind of cut off from the neck and we're raised that way where we don't really understand how to come into our body. We don't really know what that looks like. And we feel really uncomfortable by the idea of it. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty radical to start dropping into the body in those moments and just say like, okay. When I get triggered, for example, if I'm, if I'm pumping gas at the gas station, I get, I get triggered all the time by men. I feel mm-hmm. super unsafe, but that's, that's the emotion is I, when I take even just a fraction of a second, where in my body am I activated by this trigger? Where in my body is, is contracting, feels tight, wants to close up and hot. Okay, I'm feeling like I want to close up and hide. So I'm feeling unsafe right now. I'm feeling vulnerable. So giving words to it. And when you're in those interactions with your partnership, and this is important for, for parents of children to model for their children too, is at least what I found anyway, is to vocalize. You know, I hear you saying, Bella, that you, you feel it's really helpful for you to walk away and reground yourself. And I think that's really important. That's how you tend to yourself. I also hear your partner calling for, I, I really want you to show up with me though too. So like, how can we show up for our partners and how can we show up for ourselves and honor our truth, especially when there's a trigger involved? And I think first of all, giving giving a space to the feeling. So like when you get in that argument or you are faced with whatever the thing is that's triggering you, you know, what is it? I'm feeling really angry right now. And if we can speak that into the world, I'm feeling so angry right now. And I need that to just be present here. And I want to walk away, but I also want to be present. But I need you to know that I'm feeling really angry and I need to take a few moments to really sit with that. And then how can I bring my body into a space of safety? How can I, when we're really elevated and activated in that way, you know, we're, we're stuck in fight or flight and we need to come back. We need to come out of that into our parasympathetic nervous system. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm remembering that correctly. My mom brain just spaces on these words all the time, but um, we, we need to activate the vagus nerve, which calms us down. We need to be able to come back to center, but we can't do that if we're triggered. We can't do that if we're being forced to deal with something and don't have the time or the moment to be able to, to acknowledge what's happening in my body. What is, what is it? What is it? What is the story? And what does it need? And if we can just like go through that little bit of self inquiry of like, I'm triggered. And instead of just moving on or avoiding the thing, you know, okay, I'm, I'm triggered. Okay. Hear that. Hey girl, what's going on? You know, and what does the body say? Where is it in my body that I'm holding this energy? Okay. Well, I feel it in my heart. Well, what does it feel like? oh, okay, it feels numb or it feels contracted or like a squeezing, like there's a hand in there squeezing my heart. Okay, what do I need? What would feel so good right now? It's like instinctively, I'm talking about the heart and I'm placing my hand on the heart and placing our hand on that body part and just like some light pressure helps to really bring us down. 
But I think it's really, really important to, like you said, to not avoid those triggers, but to explore them with a curious mind. And I'm not saying to dive deep and like do all the shadow work in that moment. Like we don't always have the capacity for that, but to get curious about what's happening in my body right now. Why do I feel like I want to run? Why do I feel like I want to punch you in the throat? <laughs> like what's happening? Exactly. Um, and just taking that moment to allow the body to share its story because this is an ancestral body. You know, my, I am here on this earth because of all the choices that my ancestors made, whether they were bad, whether they were good. I am here holding, you know, I've come through the portal of the womb and I have the essence of my mother's experience while she was carrying me and her mother's experience while she was carrying her and so on and so forth throughout the lines. We're holding so much, like we're holding so much in our bodies. And if we don't give our body a voice, we're never going to move through that. We're going to keep passing it along the line. And so really just coming into that, like, how can I give my body a voice? How can I get really curious about what's behind this and dig deeper and, and hold it, whatever it is, even when it's gross, even when it's nasty feeling, you know, make sound, move around it, like use your, your throat and really use your voice and like make all those sounds, make those like guttural primal noises that's our body's way of really processing these emotions you know the other day i was doing that and i sounded like freaking Gollum from lord of the rings and i was like lord have mercy nobody walk in that door because it will be a scary sight but do you know how amazing i felt afterwards mm -hmm. i felt so much leave my body through those sounds these primal just what I would say are ugly noises, right? The noises that we don't want other people to hear. But like we need to give them space. We need to give our body a voice. It's necessary. Mm, it is so necessary. And that vocal activation is so cleansing and so releasing. And yeah, like you said, I really love that you said like, what is behind this? And um, there was a quote that came up from on my journey the other day. And it was... Um, I can't remember which book it came out of, but it said, the quote was, you are not the one, you are not the thoughts, you are the one who hears them. And I think that is really important to say in this podcast of, when we say like, what is behind that, that emotion of, you know, whatever is coming up in that moment, whether, you know, whatever emotions that arise, it is important to remember that we are this, this consciousness, this awareness around these thoughts that we hear and we do hear them. And when you can really tap into that and be like, oh, wow, that was interesting. I think that that really is a shift in, in itself. Even when we don't have, like you were saying, even if we don't have that time to go off and sit and, you know, do the shadow work or take time for 10 minutes of yoga or breath work or going out and grunting and making all these loud noises. I think that it is, um, there is a beautiful healing process of just being like, whoa, there's, there's more awareness there than there was before. And that is so beautiful in itself. And that is a beautiful step in my journey, just, just in itself of being aware around um, what is arising and if it's mine, if it's not, and, and call it out for what it is. Because when we can really call it out in that way and shine light on those shadows, they lose their power and they lose their grip and hold on us. And you really allow yourself that space to release a little more baggage from that backpack of stories that you've been carrying all your life. And that load gets a little bit lighter 
and you feel more free back to that freedom. Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. To everything you said. And, you know, just, just a little tidbit that's been really supportive for me is coming down to the micro moments to practice that self-care. And like, can I just give myself five minutes for this? Can I just give myself five minutes to journal? Can I give myself five minutes to herbal body oil for my nervous system's sake? You know, and like, we don't have to spend hours diving into all of the nooks and crannies of our being like who has time for that that's exhausting and honestly I don't want to be in that frequency all the time Mm -hmm. and I I do think it's important to look at it when it comes up and we have the spaciousness in some way to do so but I also think that you should enjoy life (laughs) I think that you should have fun and don't be so hard on yourself when you make mistakes and realize like I'm just a human being And I get angry, you know, my kids, like they call me dragon mama in those moments. (laughs) And I'll even just be honest with them and I'm, I'll get close to them and just say, you know, like I'm getting so mad right now that dragon mother might come out. Like I'm feeling so frustrated with how you're showing up in the world. I'm not inspired and I'm feeling like a dragon. And then sometimes we just like freak out together, you know? I think just giving ourselves permission to make mistakes Mm -hmm. and be tender with ourselves and know like, Mm -hmm. this is not some, you know, we're not just going to heal ourselves overnight. Like healing is open-ended. It's infinitely expanding. Like it's nonlinear. It's a constant journey. And we, we have to remember to enjoy ourselves too. This life is so beautiful and we have so much capacity for, for love and laughter and fun that I think, we get too caught up in like, I got to do all the work. I got to do all the things. And we're like, wait a minute. I can, I can leave that for tomorrow. I can leave that for another day. Like I'm just going to play. So I just wanted to drop that in there because there's such a focus in the spiritual community of like doing the work and showing up. And I'm over here like, yeah, but today I just want to like run nude. (laughs) Right? Yes. I love that. The balance back to that yin yang, the balance, the duality, just holding space for both and knowing those moments of rituals and time to dive in and do all the things. And also those times to just take a deep breath shake it off and just yeah go play and enjoy life and and enjoy that freedom and allow yourself to just be and and take up space and be present in the now and I just love I love everything that we talked about today it was so just necessary and I feel so potent on not only my journey but um, I hope other listeners journeys that have listened to this today And um, I'm just so grateful to have you here on the space, Jillian. And I know that uh, today when this podcast airs, that you are um, starting a new school slash program slash all of the beautiful women, (laughs) medicine, and all of your beautiful knowledge. And I would love for you to just sharing a little bit if you feel called to for some of our listeners who may be interested in joining, I will of course put the link in the description. But if you want to dive into that, I'd love for you to share. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I have been birthing this really beautiful school called Realm, which stands for Remember Everything as Living Magic. And it's literally a school of living magic. Um, And I've been really, I've been slowly gestating this beautiful baby (laughs) for quite a few months now and I'm launching 
when this podcast um, drops on the solstice, the original program in it, which is the ancestral womb. And this is going to be a really powerful, juicy circle around coming back home to the motherland. We're going to explore like somatic body-based ritual, ancestral healing, um, water, a water rebirth ceremony, how we can prioritize our self-care. It's going to be powerful and juicy for anyone who is ready to really dive in deep, to work with their ancestors, to really step into a space of witnessing the wounding that is there, of moving through that, um, so that they can really draw from and awaken this deep well of wisdom within them. It's going to hold a lot of folklore. So I'm like a super magical, um, like interested in mythic medicine kind of being. There's a lot of folklore around um, like the well maidens and water spirits and Avalon. So this is for folks who are like deeply called to earth magic and to healing and to weaving with the ancestors and all of the mysticism that we hold in the well of the womb. Um, and I'm so excited. I've been like, I feel like a puppy that's like the owner just came home and she's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I'm so, so blissed out to share this with the community. And if anyone wants more information, um, please feel free to reach out to me. It's going to be an absolutely powerful offering that I'm bringing into the world. Mm, so, so beautiful. Thank you for all that you are and all that you just share and show up with every day for not only Divine Feminine, but the collective. I'm so honored to have you on for another episode on this podcast. And I love you so much. Thank you for being here. I love you too. Thank you. Thank you for this beautiful conversation. I, I really appreciate all of the rounds that we entered today, it was really potent and really medicinal for me as well, Bella. It's such an honor to weave together this wisdom with you and to enter this beautiful space you've created here. And that's a wrap for today's episode. I want to thank all of you from the bottom of my heart for supporting and listening to all of the episodes thus far. It truly means the world to me to have your support and know that so many of you are resonating and tuning in to each of these episodes. With that being said, if you enjoy these episodes, please feel free to leave us a little review. It really helps go a long way in sharing these episodes with more like-minded souls. And also don't forget to check out the description part of this podcast to enter into all of Jillian's amazing offerings, including the enrollment for her school that is happening today. Thank you again for being here and I will see you on the next episode.